Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today on The Appetite, we are talking to Sabelle Golden about self-care. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yes. It's wonderful to be with you today. We're so glad to have you. Thanks. So tell us, what is the work that you do? So I have been a psychotherapist, mostly in private practice for 27 plus years. And I have focused that whole time on working with women with various body image issues, eating issues, eating disorders, disordered eating. I also am the director of a nonprofit here in town called Northwest Creative and Expressive Arts Institute. So I am a registered expressive arts therapist. And what is that? You might have heard of art therapy, music therapy, dance movement therapy, and the like. What expressive arts therapy is, is an integrative multi-modality approach. So we're able to work with visual arts, music, drama, writing, all of the creative arts in an integrative way. So we might go from a visual process right into a writing process into drama, for example. So that's that's what makes the expressive arts a little bit different from the single modality creative arts. So it's inclusive. It's inclusive. Okay. Yes. Okay. I feel like I've naturally been doing some of that. I'm sure you know, <laughs> people it. say that, yeah, yeah. because it, it's natural to have that integration mm -hmm. and express yourself in a variety of ways. When I think about expression, I've shared on the podcast before that I'm an artist myself and have incorporated that some as a clinician doing art therapy at Opal for a while. Mm -hmm. I think about that being a place where I can get a lot of restoration yes. and a deeper sense of what's happening for me mm -hmm. and... I think of it for sure as self-care. And I don't, I don't know if everybody else does because I know that a lot of clients, particularly some of those that I've worked with at Opal, find it really difficult um, to do. A lot of art. people have art trauma. Yes, they do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <clears throat> yep. Yep, art trauma. Yeah. They're so not good enough. For... Right. It can happen in the early days, you know, where your second grade teacher doesn't understand why you're painting the sky orange. You know, mm -hmm. or later on, you know, when you're in a music class and you realize maybe the instrument that you've been given is not your thing and then you put it away forever. And all of the arts can be extremely restorative and extremely healing. And when you can move past the self-critic, the inner critic, mm -hmm. into a space of creative freedom, then... You can dive in without having to think about, you know, what you're doing and what it's for. And it's not product-oriented anymore. It's process-oriented. I think that that is one of the most beautiful spaces to, to set an example for what it means to play. Yes. And to learn that again. Because if you've had the kind of art trauma, as you put it, then it's not safe to just play and paint mm -hmm. the sky orange right. or sing a little bit off key or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. It's not safe anymore. Absolutely. And it should be a safe place still. Yes. So has your work with the arts translated into your work around 
self-care or your kind of expertise in that space? Yeah. I mean, for my work with others, yep. yes. And your, maybe your work for yourself, too. <clears throat> it, it always has been for myself, which okay. is a, a – I'm so grateful to be able to say that. Absolutely for others. And to me, creativity itself is healing. And I want to – explain what I mean by that a little bit more. Because I think when we think of being creative or the creative process, we're automatically thinking of the arts. So I digress for one second. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the creative process happens all the time. And the creative process is inherently generative. We generate ideas. We generate solutions. It's imaginative. And where there's imagination, I think there can be solution finding. So that can happen in a variety of different ways. It's just that the arts bring, I don't know, a different kind of freedom, I think, to that or can bring a freedom to that process. So being able to bring in the arts can open up that natural creative drive, which I think that we all have, which gets stunted quite a lot. And so when when you can touch into that, touch base with that creative part of yourself, I think so much can open up. And, and just in terms of recovery, mm-hmm. if we're talking about recovery, I mean, to me, it's it it becomes a way to almost re-identify yourself. It, and But the identity is more about the true self, about the authentic self. And why do you think it taps so quickly into the true self or the authentic self? It is human nature to want to express ourselves. It is human nature to want to create. And in doing that, also, Maybe we do things that don't work out all the time. Maybe we don't like a color that we've mixed, or maybe we don't hit the right quote note, but it doesn't matter. I mean, we we are opening to a part of ourselves that is important. I, I quoted this in a podcast a while back when I was sharing some of my own poetry, but I was quoting a, a Stephen Nekmanovich, who wrote Free Play. Have you heard of that book? I I can't believe you're saying that because I just <laughs> heard of that really? book a few days ago when oh, I was talking serendipity. to some people. Yeah. Okay. So that's it's, crazy. I got introduced to it when I was probably 19 years old, and then again by an art teacher a couple years later. It's just sort of popped up. But at the beginning of the book, it introduces this idea, this Sanskrit word called lila, L-I-L-A with a carrot over the I, mm-hmm. and it is a word that means divine play and describes the process of creation, destruction, and recreation. Oh, wow. And that is the definition of like what it means mm-hmm. to be connected to true self mm-hmm. in a space of play. Yep. Yep. And when you're connected to true self, you're connected to some sort of spirit, Yes, spiritual self, spiritual sense of self, mm-hmm. um, where that stuff emerges. And it, and it happens in creativity. It happens. Absolutely. Right. Being able to make something and, like you said, pick the wrong color. Right. And know, oh, that is really ugly. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And having to problem solve enough to show up to the next question and the mm-hmm. next question and figure out an answer. Right. Which is an amazingly 
hopefully, potentially safe space to solve problems. Mm -hmm. I think it was Picasso. I might get this wrong because I'm not good at remembering quotes, but I think he said something like the first act of creation is an act of destruction, Yes, which sounds intense, but it it's it's natural, you know. Like it, pruning it, a tree. It, exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's, yes, exactly. I love that quote. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think both of us could probably geek out about creativity oh my God. A, a ton. <laughs> I feel a coffee date coming on. I think so. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, what does this have to do with self-care? Okay. I think it's obvious yes. to me. I think yes. it might be obvious to you, but mm-hmm. for those that maybe don't, really care too much about art or haven't gotten back to the place of even being in sort of a recovery with art. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Well, I mean, I think that that the arts can be part of uh, self-care practice. I don't think that it has to be the whole thing or the focus or anything like that. But giving oneself the permission, allowing oneself to explore creativity in whatever way um, it feels resonant with one is a gift, is an opportunity. And if one is engaged creatively, we know that that lowers stress level. In fact, looking at art lowers one's stress level. It's one way to approach self-care by offering the opportunity to play and to reclaim, I would say, one's creative spirit and mm-hmm. one's creative heart. And that allowing and that permission giving in and of itself, I think, is an act of self-care. I'm going to make time for myself to explore this. I'm going to make space to create. It's okay for me to be messy when I do this, which I think also speaks to recovery issues too seeing that it's that you can make a mess and everything is going to be okay can be a, a lovely message an important one a profound one for some so i i feel like lately on social media and all around i hear people constantly even saying out loud hashtag self-care i don't oh. know if you hear that yes um hashtag self-care like i'm canceling my plans self-care i'm drinking a glass of wine self-care which all is lovely and i love to do all of those things mm-hmm. but I find that there can sometimes be, for me personally, a really distinct line between where something just becomes indulgent and where it really actually feels like I'm caring for myself well. And I've loved being able to relax into a bath and have a glass of wine or rest and just watch cooking shows or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I love I love that stuff. But if I'm doing too much of it, I notice like, oh, this doesn't this doesn't feel like sort of the self-care that I was after. This doesn't feel like it's feeding yeah. my spirit. And I think that I feel passionate about kind of opening the box of what self-care means kind of beyond the bubble bath mm-hmm. because of what we're talking about with this sense of creative spirit where it might be engaged on a walk. It might be engaged even with like Sometimes I crave doing um, division problems. What? (laughs) I know. It's super (laughs) weird. But just like actually (laughs) – I haven't said that out loud. Um, 
like doing something that engages new parts of my brain yeah. and really being able mm-hmm. to notice like, okay, what what part of me isn't being utilized? Mm-hmm. What part of me isn't known right now? And how can I create a sort of date for myself or an activity for myself or some space for me to simply be in that or to maybe even challenge myself in a new way if life is feeling maybe uncomfortably comfortable or boring or whatever it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways in which I approach self-care, and I like to think of self-care as a practice and a practice that can be fluid. It doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be boxed in. It doesn't have to be based on what people are doing, what they're saying on social media that they're doing, for example. I think that values clarification is a really important part of finding out what resonates with you around self-care. And so in one of the workshops that we do, um, that's an exercise that we offer is a self-care values clarification. And there's a whole bunch of self-care values that are listed, and it's not an exhaustive list, but Connection, adventure, nature, solitude, for example. So in looking at the values, you choose the ones that really resonate. And then that can be a foundation for how you build your self-care practice. Because, you know, bubble baths are great. Mm -hmm. Most people like them. Yeah. But some people don't. Right. So if somebody says, oh, you you really need to take care of yourself, you know, go do this thing, a bubble bath, or you should do yoga, or you should go for a run. Well, <laughs> I already feel stressed out. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's not going to be everybody's go-to. Mm-hmm. So right now, solitude is one of my self-care values. And that doesn't mean that I'm setting myself up for isolation or I'm going to be lonely. It means that solitude is an important part of how I recharge myself. Given that, I build some of my self-care practice around solitude. If it resonates, you're going to do it. So <laughs> so right now, and I appreciated that you said right now, that like part of your value yes, in this fluid. moment, this mm-hmm. part time in your life, mm-hmm. is solitude. Yep. Can you walk us through what that looks like for you in terms of mm. building self-care for you yeah. around that? Absolutely. Okay. So I do meditate and meditation can be its own thing for different reasons. It can be a self-care value or self-care practice. For me, it also includes the solitude. I feel like having that quiet time a couple of times a day is really important to me. But there's other ways for for me to have solitude. And I do, um, I have a little art studio in in my home and that provides a kind of solitude. I'm so jealous. <laughs> okay. okay, keep going. We're gonna we're gonna definitely extend this conversation okay. beyond this. So so that's a place where I find solitude also, and and I can just be involved in whatever. It, maybe there's something I'm working on. Maybe there's something new. To tell you the truth, sometimes I just walk in there, and I feel better. And I don't do anything. And so that's part of my solitude. Just being there. Mm -hmm. But what's important for me around this particular core self-care value is that 
I build it into my life, but not with rigidity. Because that's where things start to go wrong, <laughs> and Oof. which I've seen many, many times with What does people. that look like? Oh, I didn't do that self-care thing, whatever it is, solitude for me or whatever. I didn't do it. It's the rabbit hole of shame, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it, You travel down there and it's hard to to get out, you know. Oh, I can't even do that for myself. It's the shadow side of self-care. Yep. Right. So that's just not useful in any way. So how do you get out of it? I avoid getting in it. Okay. Um, <laughs> how do you do that? Uh, well, I that that's where the fluidity comes in, okay. right? Or the flexibility. Like, okay, you know, I didn't I didn't get that solitude that I was really hoping to get today or yesterday. So what's the next place that I can find that in my schedule? When is the next time that I can do that? Or or what's the next thing in my self-care repertoire, so to speak, that that I can engage in so I can I can feel like I've had some time and space. So you would maybe even go down a list a little bit. I could. Things that you know of yourself Mm -hmm. that, okay, I couldn't do this, but I could cook a nice meal or I could call a friend or whatever it would be. Yeah. It's it's checking in and with the self. It's it's learning how to listen, I think, to yourself. Without, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm older, so I don't, I don't do the social media thing that much. If I were younger and dealing with that, I don't know. I don't know if I could handle it. I mean, I I can't. It's it's really, there's, I feel like there's a lot of pressure that comes from social media to be doing certain things a certain way. I'm an artist and I have, at one point I had an Instagram. Well, I still have it up. I just deleted the app. But I had an Instagram that was just showing my art. And I was like, you know what? I, this is such a private thing. I think I want to share it more often. Mm -hmm. And that felt like a good thing Mm -hmm. to kind of have some accountability in it. And then slowly it started turning into the rigidity and the pressure. Right. And it stopped mattering as much. And it was Mm -hmm. sort of like, well, what can I pull from my archives and my closet to just be able to post something rather than make something today? Mm -hmm. And it, becomes such a hole of comparison. Mm-hmm. And I think other people, myself included, start trying to monetize their self-care in a yes. way. Like, okay, I paint, so I'm going to now sell my prints and I'm going to do this. I might mm-hmm. sell prints. We'll see. But mm-hmm. it takes a lot out of a place of spiritual like nourishment mm-hmm. to suddenly try to turn it into something. I think that that can happen. This is such a rigidity. Oh man, this is <laughs> such a good topic. Because yeah. this is what this is reminding me of is when I did my dissertation, which was on courage in the creative process mm. of visual artists. Which wow, is yes, I'd like to read it. I, you know, the fact that I still like the topic. It's a big deal. I, it's yeah. I, I'm happy with that. <laughs> but anyway, my the what I found was that when an artist is engaged in the creative process for intrinsic reasons, there is more flow. There mm-hmm. is more authentic creativity happening. When, for example, let's say they're they're working on a commission, and there's more extrinsic motivating factors involved less creative flow 
So there is something called synergistic motivation, which is the combination of intrinsic motivating factors and useful extrinsic motivating factors. Now, that can relate to self-care, too. Mm -hmm. When you are coming from a place of intrinsic motivation, which I think also relates to the values, you know, this is something I value. This is a core self-care value. That's all intrinsic. Oh, so-and-so is doing a restorative yoga class. Hmm, I've never tried restorative yoga. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That might be something for me to try that would be congruent with how I want to build my self-care practice. That is synergistic. It's a useful extrinsic motivating factor combined with the intrinsic. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. I love that. One of the values that I think is in my mind lately for myself in self-care is um, learning. And I really am valuing that right now where I feel Mm -hmm. like I haven't taken in a lot of new information in a while. And Mm -hmm. suddenly I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm doing as well because of that. How can I create some structures in my life that support this need for learning. That's, that's such a great thing to notice. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So I'm, I'm, you know, whether it's a podcast that I'm listening to or I'm finding myself more eager to talk to people as mm-hmm. an introvert. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know everything. Let's talk to some other people more <laughs> often. I just signed up for a class that just sounds that's fun. Great. The external structure of the class feels like, oh, I'm going to show right. up. And yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a really different experience than it would have been when I needed to sign up for classes mm-hmm. where I know that I'm going to show up and take what I need on any given week Yes, because I know that it's in line with my values right now. Yep. Uh, that that's a great example. Thank that's you. a great example. <laughs> it brings me to another self-care thought, which is the I really saying this out loud always tickles me because it sounds so weird. It's something called the serious leisure perspective. Ooh. <laughs> it does sound funny. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, it just... Serious leisure. Yes, okay. serious leisure. <laughs> this guy Stebbins, this was in, the, I think, the late 80s. He developed this serious leisure perspective, which is a combination of serious leisure and, I'll, I'll explain, project-based leisure and casual leisure. Okay. And all together combined create the optimal leisure lifestyle. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which it also sounds funny to me. It does. Um, but if you go into each one, it, it makes sense. So serious leisure is when you're involved in some sort of activity that is over over time and you need skills and you need more learning possibly. And the, there's a little bit more structure involved, mm-hmm. like being a docent in a museum or sailing, you know, if you're really serious about it or playing an instrument or it, there's, you know, so many that that you can think of. And then project-based leisure is usually a one-shot or short-term project that you're involved with that might take some skill and planning it could be setting up an art show or it could be 
well, I did a blitter ride a few years ago. What's to, that? Uh, the bike ride for cancer research. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I can totally call that leisure, but it was a project that I really wanted to do that was very important to me emotionally and spiritually, and it happened to be a physical exertion thing. It was a one-time deal. Mm-hmm. I prepared for it, and I did it. And then there's casual leisure, which you and I will be engaged in at some point, <laughs> like going out for coffee yep. or whatever. It's immediately intrinsically you know, valuable and fun. And I think a lot of people engage in casual leisure and, you know, being with friends or going to a movie. It's, it's just. My main thing right now is Farkle. Do you know what that is? What? What's Farkle? (laughs) It's a dice game, kind of like a Yahtzee. And uh, now I keep six dice in my purse at all times, just in case. Oh, I'm going to have to hear more about that. (laughs) So that's my casual leisure. Yeah, that's casual leisure. But what would the need be beyond casual leisure for the other two categories, project-based yeah. or serious? Yeah. So just like you were saying about learning, there's a need to engage in life in all of these ways. I don't think that um, – I mean, there's a shadow side here too, okay. right? You know, that if you're not doing serious – leisure right now. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or you're not, you know, (laughs) doing a self-care practice properly. It's it's something to think about. And in the way I like to think about that, um, especially the serious leisure, is is there something that you've wanted to do that you've stopped yourself from doing? And for what reasons? Hmm. And is it time maybe to to give it a try, to give it a go? And I think that that can happen with, with serious leisure. And we can call it something different too. I'm fine with that. Um, but that can happen by giving some time and um, commitment to it. It's to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not for anybody else. And it might feel really different. Yeah. I was thinking again about myself (laughs) and my own categories of these things, just trying to kind of process what you're saying. And I really want to focus some energy in my life eventually. I always say this year after year after year after year, I want to try food writing. Oh, that sounds fun. I love it. Whatever I write has something to do with food anyway. And I just think it would be so great. And there's no actual structure in my life to make that happen. And it mm-hmm. now it's like, okay, I got to do it or not. I got to write something. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take time. And right. It's going to take commitment. And it's probably not going to feel good because I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. But the actual commitment to it over time, I think actually really would feel good. Yeah. And being in line with my values within it and mm-hmm. giving myself the structure to maybe wind up feeling like it's play or something that I love. Yeah. We'll see. That is like a it feels like a serious yes, endeavor I think that would also be leisure. I, yes. I think that it's both. And yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> and that, that is a great example, okay. something that you've always wanted to to do. Or that It's been like, you know, it's got charge to it. It does it's have got, charge. You know, it's alive. Yeah, it's not so as easy. So let it live. Yes. But it's also not as easy as just like farkle. Right. And playing right, exactly. Dice. Like the, there's the two. Yeah, there's the difference. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
I also think that it's important in thinking about self-care to actually think about what your life looks like when mm-hmm. you are you know, maybe setting up expectations for yourself around self-care, for sure. whether it is actually a resources issue, time that could be money, that could be right. all sorts of things, the spiritual energy, mm-hmm. psychological health. It might not be practical to do anything but TV for mm-hmm. a season <laughs> or it might not feel good. You might not have the resources to be able to try a project-based thing yeah. at a really intense time at work. I think that that's really important to know. And again, it speaks to, you know, what is going to be sustainable? What is going to be doable? And then as far as resources, this is an area that I've been thinking about a lot and need to think more about because it's very important. Because I do think that some kind of self-care is within reach for everyone. And even if it's for one minute mm-hmm. being able to focus on the breath, which I realize can sound that can sound as cliche as a bubble bath, right? <laughs> but it's our life, right? It's our the breath is our our life. So just being able to focus in on that, which is available to everyone, mm-hmm. most of us. And be with that and know at least that is still happening and functioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- that metaphor of sort of focusing on the breath feels like it's a, a metaphor for turning toward your own life force. Yes. And when we were mm-hmm. talking about creativity earlier, yeah. it feels like a similar thing, whether yeah. you're painting or just sitting on the bathroom floor for a second to notice your breath. Right. It's turning toward mm-hmm. some generative ever-present part of you that is there. Yeah. I had a client who had cancer. And at one point, you know, very creative, very, like, just a beautiful creative spirit. At one point, we were talking about how she could do some creative work, even though she was so depleted, Mm -hmm. so, you know, energy depleted, just everything was depleted. But she wanted to do something with her hands. So we just came up with this idea of just playing with with paper clips, just making tiny sculptures with with paper clips or small pieces of wire. And that's it. That would be enough. You know, that would be more than enough, really. But that's what she could handle. Mm. That's an intense example, but it's important for all of us to be able to ask, you know, what is the one... What is one step? What is one thing that I could handle that would make a difference? Oh, yeah. I love that question. I love that question, especially as there can be so much pressure to do it yeah. right mm-hmm. or to do it in a way, again, like monetizing right. something or yeah. becoming an artist suddenly or I think we can get so serious about it. But if yeah. it's just about being present with our hands right. for a moment and knowing that that might give us something back. Yes. That is so important. It is. And then, I mean, it, the the inner critic or it, it just, well, how I feel about the inner critic is that it's it's the voice of anxiety. Um, and um, I think if we can understand that it's anxiety and name it and in some ways welcome what it has to say. Yep. Because that's, it's just information. And if we can work with that, then, you know, we can have 
the inner critic even on our shoulder as an angel instead of a devil yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's so, I mean, that, that client, there was no critic, you know, there was just a need. And I think that's what it, it kind of comes down to. Yes. But I, I think, you know, just in, in looking overall at a self-care practice, just to, to bullet point a couple of things, one is be aware of what resonates because what resonates is doable and what's doable is sustainable. Be aware of not going down that rabbit hole of shame if you're not following your self-care practice to a T. And, and be really, really clear that self-care is not self-indulgent, that it is something that is built into human need like sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> the Latin root of leisure is to allow. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's about allowing. Mm. If you think about that, I mean, it's maybe a guideline. I love that. <laughs> allowing oneself to to be in the practice of self-care. Well, thank you so much you for joining so us. You're so welcome. It was it's, a pleasure. It's been a really fun conversation yes. and I feel relaxed and inspired even just to think about what's next. Great. With my own self-care practices. Thank you, Carter. Thank you. So we'll be including some links in our description box so you can learn a little bit more about leisure, about kind of self-care values and some other resources. And thank you so much for joining us and listening today. Thank you to Jack Straw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Erin Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. If you want to learn any more about Opal, please find us at opalfoodandbody.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Hope to talk to you soon. <laughs>